Mutta Okay, so they're not going to take comments from the audience. It's only those ten questions for now. Um, that the, the British philosopher Richard Swinburne makes is that it is good that God makes a physical world that is generally reliable. A brittiläinen filosofi sanoi näin, että on hyvä, että Jumala on tehnyt maailman, joka on yleisesti ottaen luotettava. Part of our moral responsibility for one another, one another depends upon the fact that we can rely upon the physical world working a certain way. Jotta me voidaan olla moraalisesti luotettavia toisillemme, niin se riippuu siitä, että voimme luottaa siihen, että maailma on luotettava ja toimii niin kuin me odotetaan. So I can know things like, um, if you're thirsty, I can help you by giving you some water. Eli jos olet janoinen, niin autan sinua antamalla vettä. But if I um, put you underwater for too long, that will drown you. Mutta jos pistän pääsi veden alle liian kauaksi aikaa, niin sitten uut. And it, it's often like that with many things. The fire that will allow me to cook you food will also uh, burn you if you put your fingers in it. Ja sama tulen kanssa sen avulla voi tehdä ruokaa, mutta se myös polttaa. Now, of course, God can work miracles. Um, so things in the natural world don't always have to work in the way that we expect. But by definition, a miracle has to be an unusual exception to the rule of the way things normally work. If there was no reliable norm of nature, then uh, we couldn't have that kind of moral responsibility for one another, which is a good thing. But, but the fact that we live in a nature that normally works a certain way Uh, leads to the possibility of suffering when you get in the way of that law of nature, as it were. Mä voisin yrittää tämmöinen tentatiivinen, eli alustava varauksella tehty vastaus korostava ajatuksen polkua, on se, että se johtuneen varmasti siitä, että pahuus on myös suunnitelmissa. Langenneisuus on, siis ihminen on langenut monella tapaa, synnin todellisuus näkyy monella tapaa, kaikkialla, ei Ulottuu, 
Specifically about yeah. sin. And you yeah. Want yeah. Yeah, you can, yeah, you make that, that point. That's good. I'll, I'll say something after. I'll read it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Great. And of course, that, that is not a guarantee that on every occasion you are tempted to sin, you can triumph over sin. Rather, it is the promise that in Christ you can put on Christ, become more Christ-like, that you have the possibility of triumphing over sin in Christ. So notice the promise is specifically in relation to overcoming sin. And it, it's not a promise about overcoming suffering or depression or, or um, you know, being ill or things like this. In my workshop, I was talking about the way in which uh, our understanding of happiness has changed over time. The modern understanding of happiness is a, a subjective emotional state. The ancient understanding, going back to philosophers like Aristotle, was of an objective state of being blessed. Mutta Aristoteles taas ja siellä antiikinaan kirjallisuudessa niin nähtiin se sellaisena, että on niin kuin, ö, objektiivisesti katsoen siuna, siunatussa tilassa. <laughs> Siunattu. <laughs> Ei raskaan kuitenkaan. I said something funny, I'll explain. Okay, <laughs> so, for example, uh, this is why it makes sense for St. Paul uh, to say, I have learned the secret of contentment in all circumstances. That he can recognize he is in an objective state of being blessed in Christ. And then that gives him a hope for the future, which gives him the power to live through suffering and the subjective state of sadness in the present. So, for the Christian, being sad or depressed does not mean that you are not blessed in Christ. It just means that you have hope. Thank you.
is to use um, sort of dramatic overemphasis to make a point. And this does mean it's sometimes a little hard for us to tell when a teaching of scripture should be taken literally to the letter ja sen takia on joskus vaikea arvioida, että milloin um, jae pitää ottaa täysin kirjaimellisesti sananmukaisesti. And when it's a, a matter of emphasis to make a point in a, in a culture that is thinking very differently than that. Milloin se jae tarkoittaa sitä, että siinä on vain korostettu sitä asiaa, jotta kuulijat todella ymmärtäisivät sen ja se tulee siitä kulttuurista, jossa se teksti on kirjoitettu. Uh, so at the very least, clearly, Jesus encourages us to pray about all sorts of things. But another aspect of this is the fact that when he's talking there about praying in my name, um, the significance of what name meant in ancient cultures. Siinä oli suuri merkitys antiikin maailmassa. So for us, we use names just as a label to tell one person apart from another. Me käytetään nimiä vaan uh, nimilappuina, että erotetaan ihmiset toisistaan. But in ancient cultures, in ancient Jewish culture, names had a significance, a meaning to them. Mutta antiikin juutalaisessa kulttuurissa nimillä oli suuri merkitys ja And really by saying, if you pray in my name, it will happen. By in my name, Jesus is meaning in line with who I am, with my whole character, with the character of God. Eli kun Jeesus sanoi, että rukoilkaa minun nimessäni, niin hän tarkoitti, että sen mukaan, niin kuin millainen minä olen, koko minun luontoni mukaan, mikä on siis Jumalan luonto. So he's not teaching us that if enough Christians get together and agree to ask him to do something in the name of Jesus, that that is a blank check guaranteeing that it'll happen. Rather, he means that when Christians together seek after the, the character, the will of God, and they are submitting themselves to his will, we want to discover his will. Vaan se tarkoittaa sitä, että silloin kun kristityt etsivät Jumalan tahtoa, Jumalan luontoa, ja haluavat antautua hänen tahdolleen. Then, of course, as we ask God to do things that it is his will to do, he does them. <laughs> But as you know, Jesus himself had to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane, not, not my will, Lord, But yours. So Jesus didn't use prayer as a kind of guaranteed slot machine where you put in the coin of in the name of Jesus 
and you get out the goods. Jeesus ei käyttänyt itsekään rukousta sillä tavalla, että joku karkkiautomaatti, johon laitetaan kolikko ja sitten tulee patukka sieltä. It's clearly more complicated than that. Se on paljon monimutkaisempi. Rukousvastauksissa voisi sanoa sellaisen asian, että saamaton perusopetus on kyllä se, että Jumala vastaa joka another point back to um, the Lord's prayer. I think it helps to understand a little bit about um, Hebrew poetry. And if you take the Lord's prayer as being a Hebrew poem, um, in Hebrew poetry you often have two lines that say the same thing in slightly different ways. Riviä tai säettä sanoo saman asian hieman eri tavalla. Um, so th- uh, think about um, um, uh, our Father who art in heaven. Isä meidän, joka olet taivaassa. That's about uh, God, his name, his character. Siinä puhutaan Jumalasta, hänen nimestään ja luonnostaan. Um, your will be done, your kingdom come, on earth as it is in heaven. Now, again, those two lines are saying the same thing. For God's kingdom to come on earth is for his will to be done. Mm-hmm. 
Now, give us our daily bread, forgive us our sins. Anna meille tänä päivänä meidän jokapäiväinen leipämme ja anna meille meidän syntimme anteeksi. I think you, you could take it that the give us our daily bread is, is like an image, a metaphor for give us the thing we really need. Jokapäiväinen leipä on metafora siitä, mitä me todella tarvitsemme. And then the, the next line is saying in more straightforward terms that the thing we really need as human beings is the forgiveness of God. Ja seuraavalla rivillä sanotaan, että juuri se asia, mitä me todella tarvitsemme, on Jumalan anteeksianto. That, that actually it's not our daily bread that is the fundamental of our existence, but God's grace. Eli jokapäiväinen leipä ei olekaan se kaikista välttämättömin, vaan Jumalan armo. So there I think the emphasis in the prayer is on our need for God's grace that God will give us, rather than the idea that God will make sure you don't starve. Mun mielestä siinä rukouksessa se pointti on se, että Jumala antaa sen armon, mitä me tarvitaan. Ja se pääpointti ei ole se, että Jumala antaa leipää, ettei me näänyt nälkään. Because it's just obvious that there are plenty of Christians in, in history in the world today who starve to death. But what every Christian does get from God is God's grace and forgiveness. I believe there is going to be free will in heaven. But it is a different kind of freedom than the freedom that we have now. So I think the key thing about the kind of freedom we have now is that it is the freedom to choose between good and evil. And that means it is possible for me to choose to reject the greatest good, God himself. And that means there's a possibility of genuine relationship between God and myself if I accept his offer of forgiveness. Vastaan suhde tai olla suhteessa Jumalan kanssa, jos otan vastaan anteeksiantonsa. But part of accepting God's grace and forgiveness is asking him to make me more like Christ, more like God. Mutta kun otetaan vastaan Jumalan armo, niin osa sitä on, että pyydetään, että tee minusta enemmän Jeesuksen kaltainen, Jumalan kaltainen. And that process of becoming more like Christ ultimately flourishes in Heaven. Ja se prosessi, että jossa me tullaan enemmän Jeesuksen kaltaiseksi, niin se saavuttaa huippuunsa siellä taivaassa. It's like I'm asking God to please eventually make it such that I can't choose to reject him. Pyydän siis Jumalalta, että tee minusta sellainen, että eräänä päivänä en voi enää torjua sinua. But the fact that in heaven I can't choose to reject him is a result of my, of my choice now. But in heaven I will still have free choice. But only to choose between things that are good. The only thing I can't choose in heaven is evil. Ainoa, mitä en voi valita, on pahuus. Jos minun kysymyksiä, että onko taivaassa vapaata tahtoja, niin haluaisin pilkkiä siihen, kun se vähän poleemisesti vastata, kiitos herralle, ei ole. 
Libertaristinen. Libertaristinen. Eli äh, voidaan siis erottaa kahta eri tyyppiä tai kahta eri tasoa tästä tahdonvapaudessa. Eli se tahdonvapaus, joka meillä nyt on, niin pystymme valitsemaan hyvän ja pahan väliltä. It is possible for us to choose to do things that we should not do. And it's possible for us to choose between things that it's perfectly okay for us to choose. Should I have um, apple juice or orange juice? There's no moral obligation on me to choose one way or the other. Um, but should I choose to reject God's offer of salvation? To do so is to reject the source of all goodness and beauty in reality. Niin silloin torjun sen, joka on kaiken kauneuden ja totuuden lähde ja todellisuuden lähde. One cannot imagine a morally worse action. En voi kuvitella mitään, joka olisi enemmän moraalisesti väärin. And yet I think God gives us the possibility of, of that depth of libertarian free will. Ja uskon, että you mean on this earth. Uh, yeah, here and, here, and, here and now. Eli maan päällä meillä on tämmöinen tahdonvapaus, tämän syvyinen, tämän tasoinen tahdonvapaus. So that we can freely be in relationship with him. Jotta voimme vapaasti olla yhteydessä häneen. Because if we had to follow our moral obligations, we would have no choice about relating properly to God. If we had to follow our if moral we, if obligations. We, if we, If I had no no ability to reject mm-hmm. what I ought to do, mm-hmm. 
then we could. I'd have no ability to re- reject God. Mm-hmm. And then we wouldn't have a real. Yeah, we, we would just be like puppets or mm-hmm. robots programmed to do what he wanted. But part, as I was saying, part of the deal of getting to know God and wanting to be part of his kingdom, wanting to be in heaven, I want eventually to be without the possibility of rejecting God. Mutta me, me haluamme niin kuin päästä taivaaseen. Se on meidän oma valintamme. Ja se osa sitä, että me haluamme olla Jumalan valtakunnassa, niin on sitä, että minä henkilökohtaisesti haluan, että eräänä päivänä minulla ei ole mahdollisuutta valita pahaa. I want to be sanctified so that I cannot sin anymore. Haluan olla niin pyhitetty, etten voi enää tehdä syntiä. But I think that possibility is only realized in, in heaven. Mutta uskon, että se mahdollisuus tulee näkyväksi vasta taivaassa. So of course, in heaven, just like with the apple juice and the orange juice, there's all sorts of good things that I'm free to choose between. Uh, aivan niin kuin se appelsiinimehu ja, ja omenamehu, niin taivaassakin on paljon erilaisia hyviä asioita, joista voi valita. But of course, my freedom does not extend to choosing to do bad things. Mutta se vapaus ei mene niin pitkälle, että pystyisin valitsemaan pahoja asioita. Again, this, this is a shift in our, our understanding of what freedom really means. Ja uh, tämä, tässä on nyt siis tässä muuttuu se, että uh, mitä ymmärrämme, että mitä vapaus merkitsee. When I am without the possibility of sin, I am free to be the creature that God ultimately designed me to be. The fact that I can choose to do the wrong thing now doesn't make me more free. As Paul says, it makes me a slave to sin. Se tekee minusta synnin orjan Paavalin mukaan. And what I want to be, what I choose to be, is a slave to Christ. Mutta se, minkä haluan olla, ja olen itse päättänyt, että olen Kristuksen orja. And it's that slavery, which paradoxically is my true freedom. Ja juuri tuo orjuus on minun todellinen vapauteni. We agree that no uh, question from the audience, but now one of the panelists like to ask the question. This is also for you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, these guys won. <laughs> According to Sam Harris, hmm. you can say what is right and what is right. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah. Is this the answer of science to morality? Yeah. Um, It's a very bad answer from science to morality. <laughs> Although I appreciate the fact that Sam Harris believes in objective right and wrong. That's a good thing. Um, his attempt to use science as a way of knowing right from wrong is a dismal failure. Mutta hän epäonnistuu pahasti, kun hän yrittää käyttää tiedettä sen ratkaisemiseen, että mikä on oikein ja väärin. He starts by assuming that ethics, right and wrong, is all about the, the suffering or the pleasure of conscious creatures. Eli hän olettaa, että... että Right and wrong was suffering. Yeah, right and wrong is about suffering and pleasure. So it's a kind of utilitarian approach to right and wrong. 
uti, mikä se utilitaristinen, eli niin kuin, ää, niin, hyödyn näkökulma tähän asiaan. So he says, um, because we can use science, empirical observation, to notice when people are suffering and when, when they're not suffering, when they're pleasure, when they're flourishing. Eli pystymme empiiristä tutkimuksilla katsomaan, että milloin, näkemään, että milloin ihminen kärsii ja milloin hän, on, hän voi hyvin tuntea hyvää oloa. Therefore science can tell us right from wrong. Eli sen takia muka tiede voi tietää, mikä on oikein ja väärin. But actually elsewhere in that book that he, he writes on this subject. Mutta tuossa samassa kirjassa, jossa hän kirjoittaa tästä. He himself admits that science cannot justify the assumption he has to make that suffering is bad and, and pleasure or flourishing is good. Hän myöntää, että tiede ei pysty tekemään sitä oletusta, että kärsimys on pahaa ja mielihyvää taas on hyvää. He himself says that claim is not something that science can tell us. Eli nuo, sen päättäminen on sellaista, mihin, minkä, mitä tiede ei pysty ratkaisemaan. Ei pysty päättelemään. So it seems to me that he, he himself contradicts his own theory. Eli hän kirjoittaa ristiriitaisesti. Hän kumoaa oman teoriansa. Um, science can describe reality. It can predict things. Tiede pystyy kuvailemaan ja ennustamaan asioita. But science cannot tell me the difference between right and wrong. Mutta tiede ei pysty sanomaan, mikä on oikein ja väärin. Okay, if I want to know how much poison to put in the martini before I give it to my rich aunt. Eli jos haluan tietää, kuinka paljon myrkkyä pitää laittaa martiniin ennen kuin annan sen rikkaalle tädilleni. To have a high probability of inheriting her money. Science can do a good job of giving me the answer to that question. Um, but science will not tell me whether I ought to do that or not. It'll tell me that if I poison her, certain things will happen to her body and she'll writhe around on the floor in pain. But there's a difference between that description of what is the case and a moral prescription of what ought or ought not to be the case. Mutta siinä on ero, että kuvaillaan vain mitä tapahtuu tai määrätään, että näin pitäisi tehdä tai ei pitäisi tehdä. Because there is interpretation, then you get the image in your head twice how the ant is rolling on the floor. Now a question from a different Kokeile onnea. 
tetap Näiden antaa tavallaan kahdella tasolla tämän vastauksen. Ensimmäinen on So we do things because of uh, something, like because of necessity or because of some orders, like for example, we eat before we get hungry because we know that we have to eat, or because we don't want to give money to charity or church, but we still give it because it is said that it's good to So we do things that is a proper thing to do like we're supposed to do. You are doing something so that you can get punished, so that you can never hear the argument. There is nothing wrong with that, I think. If we have to treat our neighbors in a nice way, maybe you don't always feel like that. But you still try to do your best. And then the next level is before God, because God also sees all the things that you can your hidden motives. And he will uh, judge you not only yeah. in your acts, but also in your thoughts. Yeah. Even if I think, think yeah. something bad about that also deserves God's judgment. Now there's a third level, indeed. When, as Christians, we believe in Jesus and we believe that we are saved in grace, and we don't have to uh, get approval from other people, and then we see the, the need that our neighbor has, and we spontaneously go and help them, no matter what comes from it. If they want to pay something back, we don't do it because of that. We do it because uh, Christ loves them, so we, I love them also. The question was, that, what would I tell to my atheist friend? I would ask them a question. What? What do you think that uh, there would be like a problem if you do something good? Mm. Mm. <coughs> I'm tempted to ask them what has made you so cynical. <laughs> what what happened? Um, I think that's just a, a very cynical way of of framing the issue. Um, I could re-describe the situation and say, why should it not be that because I have come to love the good, to love goodness, that I want to do things in my life that unite me more with goodness? Miksi se ei voisi olla niin, että koska rakastan hyvyyttä itseään ja rakastan hyvää, niin, että teen asioita siksi, koska haluan olla lähempänä häntä ja olla enemmän hänen kaltaisensa. Why describe that in such a way that it portrays the situation as if that's a bad thing? Minkä takia se on kuvailtu niin, että aivan kun auttaminen olisi niin kuin paha asia? You mean like helping is a bad thing or? Yeah, as if, you know, just because I'm going to get um, good things will come from it or there's some good that will accrue to me. Or at the basic level that I will feel, you know, I, will, I won't feel guilty. I will feel good about, oh, I've done the right thing. Mm. 
paha asia. But what is wrong in rejoicing in goodness? Mitä väärää siitä on, että iloitsee hyvän tekemisestä? And thinking, oh, that's great, I've done the right thing. I've become a little bit more like the person I love the most, God. Tein jotakin hyvää, eli olen taas askeleen lähempänä sitä, että tulen niin kuin häneksi, jota rakastan eniten, kun enemmän kuin ketään muuta, eli olen enemmän Jumalan kaltainen. I, I'm sure God rejoices in, in goodness. He, he's not just doing things out of some sort of dull, dry sense of, well, I suppose I ought to do the right thing. Jumala rakastaa hyvin, että hän ei tee asioita vaan siksi, että on pakko. And so why should our moral lives operate that way? Miksi meidän elämämme pitäisi ja moraalimme pitäisi mennä sen mukaan? Now is my five minutes. Immanuel Kant is guilty because we have the idea that we have to do good, uh, not because you will feel good, otherwise it's a selfish thing. And C.S. Lewis talks strongly how God is really asking people to do something good and he promises that you will get rewarded. That's a way that God really wants to make us uh, do the right thing by, by rewarding us. When we do the good thing, there is a mechanism inside us that will reward us. And that is a moral sick person who feels good when they do something wrong. And of course you're not supposed to measure it whether you have a good feeling or not, not whether you have a good feeling or not. But Immanuel Kant was wrong, even also in this point. Thank you very much.